welcome to Human Tech, a podcast about humans, technology, and the intersection of science and technology on uh, the future. With me, as always, is Dr. Susan Weinshank. Hello. I'm here. Yes, and I am Guthrie Weinshank. So today, uh, our podcast is going to be just a little bit different than what we normally do. Um, We just got back from Stockholm, Sweden, uh, where uh, Susan gave uh, a a keynote talk at the Business to Buttons 2016 conference. And so uh, there were a bunch of really kind of cool speakers at the conference. And so we just wanted to talk about some of the things that we saw and the people we talked to and uh, cool some ideas. Of the great people that we met, yeah. Yeah, some of the, the kind of interesting ideas that we heard. Now, as just a disclaimer um, to any of uh, the people who were actually gave the talk or were listening or um, people who are familiar with the, the works that we're going to talk about, we were in and out. We were uh, doing, you know, there's interviews and stuff. So, you know, some of the talks uh, we didn't hear fully. And also, I'm not going to, you know, this is not, this isn't a test. We're not going to correctly regurgitate the facts uh, to be properly graded. This is just going to be a summary of what our thoughts are. So it's probably going to be a mix of the cool memes and ideas that uh, the speakers had combined with what we thought of them. So, you know, don't, you know, if, if we're talking about a certain speaker, and you know, if you're out there being, oh, that's wrong, that that's fine. I'm not pretending to be right. This is just um, cool ideas we had. Yeah. What if the speakers listen? Some of them might, perhaps, maybe. <laughs> uh, all to right. all and the speakers, can, can... I apologize in advance. And if you'd like to clear your name, <laughs> you're more than welcome to. Come well, you on know, the if they want to clear their name, we can. Uh, they can come on our podcast and that's, we can interview them, said. right? Yeah, that's what I just oh. said. Hey, you know, we should do another disclaimer while we're at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still a little bit jet lagged. Are you? No, I'm doing okay. I'm fine. You're doing all right? Yeah. Yeah, I've been doing so I've been waking I'll... up really early, but it's it's kind of been yeah. nice. Um, yeah. so yeah, so for okay. those of you who are not aware, uh it's it's an eight hour difference between Central Time and uh Stockholm, so I think it's a seven-hour difference. It's seven or eight. It's whatever. Somehow, it, it's an it's enough that it takes me a while to get back into the yeah. swing of things. But yeah, we um, it was it was uh, my first time in Stockholm. It was your first time in Stockholm. It's really my first right? time in Europe, honestly. It was my first time in Scandinavia. Yeah. And uh, we thoroughly enjoyed the visit to Stockholm, and we really enjoyed the conference. It's it was a Pretty neat conference. There were about 600-some attendees, right? Yes. And we did a workshop. Um, I taught a workshop the day before, and then then we had the conference. So how do you want to go about um, – let you know, I have a suggestion. Yes. Do we have to go in order, or can we just – No, I hope we don't because, people? again, okay. we didn't – you know, we saw – for example, we – um, Susan was the first speaker to go, so we we were very busy in the morning. The second half, we saw most of the second half, uh, but in the yeah, morning, but we were after my out. talk, yeah, they had me doing interviews with like Swedish newspapers and stuff. So I definitely missed some of the talks, unfortunately. But um, even some of the ones that I didn't get to see the whole thing, I I still want to talk a little bit about those speakers because I you know I know about them. Or we'll pick a speaker, read their book, we'll... or that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, okay, let's start with talking about um, Abby. Okay, sure. First of all, I have to say that I, we so enjoyed, uh, I so enjoyed meeting these people. And it was, you know, I speak at a lot of conferences and they're, they're all different and they're all set up in different ways. But my favorite conferences are the ones where the conference organizers have um, built in opportunities for the speakers to get to know each other a little bit and to hear each other's speeches and um, and not all conferences are like that and this one was and so it's, it's really wonderful I feel like um, we made some great new friends that will probably be friends for a long time so uh, just a lot of really intelligent fun uh, interesting people so let's talk about Abby uh, do you know how to pronounce her last name covert is it the, is like it, the mission covert like yes. the mission. Okay. Abby Covert. 
And Abby is uh, specializes in information architecture. And she has this great book that um, I've, well, I can't say that I've read word for word because um, I haven't had time yet since we got back, but I've read some of and, I, and I've scanned through it. Yeah, funny, funny story. To, so, um, so Abby has this book and she talks about a book. And, uh, you know, when you left, I was like, oh, yeah, I should get a copy. And when you got home, you realized you already actually had one. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I said, we got to get a copy of her book. And then I was moving things around on my bookshelf like two days ago. And it was like, what is this book? Oh, look, it's a it's Abby's book. It's called How to Make Sense of Any Mess, which is a great title. And it's a it's a small book. It's an easy to read book, but it has some really big ideas in it. So. I highly recommend this book. So um, Abby's big shtick is information architecture. Susan, would you like to do an accurate summary of what the idea of information <laughs> architecture is? By the way, no. Abby's uh, entire talk was essentially what is information architecture. Um, and it's a whole idea. And she's also... Um, uh, there's a whole day, and it's funny. So Information Architecture Day is a day that was kind of her brainchild and is an event that actually a couple months ago uh, Susan spoke at. She did She did um, one of the events in Milwaukee. I spoke at one of the local, yeah, yeah, because yeah, there's Information Architecture Day, and there are, um, you know, events all over the world in many cities on Information Architecture Day, and, and I spoke at the, the Milwaukee one. Uh, at the event in Milwaukee, yeah. yeah. And Abby, you didn't finish a sentence. Did, there's nothing. What's there's Abby's nothing relationship? Oh no, I said yeah. she—that's kind of her brainchild, and the whole idea is to yeah. is to spread awareness for the ideas of information architecture. So, yeah. uh, Susan, yes, would you like to? I mean, I could take a crack at it, but. Well, you know, it's interesting, right? Because information architecture is one of those things that people who are in the field of usability or user experience or design, you know, it's like if it's like um, it's like what does design mean? You know, it's like do you know what design means? Sure, I know what design means, but then when you go to try to explain it, it's like ah. Uh, um, and I think information architecture is kind of like that as well. Um, um, and I don't, Abby, you know, I didn't see the be Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you kind of missed it. Abby, uh, according to uh, uh, her her talk, it, quote, information architecture is a practice of making sense, unquote. So. Yeah, and I have in her book, I have another quote. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. which, which says information architecture is the way that we arrange the parts of something to make it understandable. Right. So, um. I guess to the layperson, and again, apologies to all the people who actually know what they're talking about. <laughs> all it, the people listening who are information architects and are cringing oh, God. right now. Yeah, I know. They're, everyone just being, <laughs> just whispering like, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it, in some ways, you can think of it as map making. You're, you, you're exploring kind of a territory and you're organizing the, the unknown into uh, a way that's easily readable and identifiable and you're putting, uh, you, you're, you're creating structures out of um, yeah. things that exist. Yeah, and I-, I Which I can think, be very, you know, very powerful got, in many different places. Can be very powerful. And I think Abby's got a really unique take on the whole thing because it's interesting because in some ways she's really simplifying the ideas and the concepts but in other ways she's really putting forth some some very big um ideas um but in her book uh some of the things i love by the way about her book if i can just mention some of them um she's got a great uh section on um all the different ways to describe things so she's got uh, all the different ways to diagram things so she goes through um you know what what a block diagram is and when to use it what a flow diagram is when to use it a gantt chart a quadrant diagram a venn diagram a swim lane a hierarchy diagram a mind yeah, map okay okay a yes, schematic, yes i get it map. We, we all we all get it you can you i can love stop. that stuff 
Um, okay, I'll so stop. so it's it it's very useful if there's if there's uh, here's my suggestion. If you have in yeah. your workflow or in your organization yeah. any process or project or collaboration of people that you that that you can that is not intuitive to you that you cannot do on the tip of your brain that is uh, that is too complex for you to completely comprehend the entire process it's probably worth um, doing a, taking a page from information architecture to consolidate this down into useful information so it's kind of like you know like if you if you're trying to remember too many numbers at the same time the brain just gets overwhelmed and then just kind of shrugs its shoulders so if if a if a if there's a if there's a process that's too complicated um people only can you know they can only remember the three or four things they can only put make sense of a certain level of complexity and once you get over that level people have to break things down into little bit little bits and 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 then things get confused and they get lost so yes go ahead well i i just think that's one of the things that's unique about abby's take on it because from a, a usability or ux point of view that i'm used to coming at it from information architecture refers to the structures we build so that the people who are using what we're building, right? right. So if you're building a website, the users of the website um, will understand, you know, the taxonomies and how to move around the website. And let's give a classic example. View, you have, uh, think of like an old, old school website from, you know, the 90s with uh, where you have a lot of menus. Or even just think of an e-commerce site where, right. you know, you have to, you have to figure out what the different categories of apparel are because you're trying to make a purchase, right? So you'd use information but, architecture to map out the different paths that people can take and the different, you know, choices that they have to, to make things a little better. So that's a, that's the kind of traditional that, historical yeah. way it was used. Yeah. But I love Abby's idea, which is it's not just that. It is that, but it's not just that. But even internally in your organization, when you have a mess, which she, that term she uses, when you have a mess of stuff and information and processes and people and you're trying to get a handle on it, you know, her idea is use information architecture for that, which so, I thought was really neat. So let me say, tell this, let me, let me, I, this, this is all fun and people out there are very, very confused. Here's the cool idea that I took away that I, I was listening to and I was okay. like, you know what, here's, this is, that's a, that's a great idea. This is what we should do in our business. So we have, there's, there's a lot of different standard processes that we have and we use across multiple flows in our, in our work day. Really? There is? Yeah, and they're not they're not they're not really written down, but uh, there's just certain you know the products that we have the the kind of phrases that we use. Yeah, and it really depends. And you so, mean it, uh, you mean uh, that we put out to our customers and potential customers? No, just are you talking about the internal and either just stuff internally, just, just stuff okay. that we that we have at the just business. Stuff. And so, yeah. so Abby was actually talking about, um, so for example, in as a number of like larger businesses that are, especially if they're siloed, you can have an idea, right? Like um, a video course, okay? Right, we have these online video courses that we sell, the Team W, okay? You can go to courses yeah. at the Team W, you can buy them. Um, but, you know, they could be called a course, an online course, uh, yeah. online videos, yeah. online training. Yeah, I know. Right? I there's know. there's a lot of different, different, different ways you can refer yep. to the same thing. So if you're in a larger company uh, and, and you, and you know, especially when you have more than just one person making all the marketing materials like we do, um, you could end up having, and she ha and that was the example she gave, was especially if it's a very complex process, you know, like Amazon, right? They have so many different things and so many, you could have the, all these different phrases and words and people could get very, very confused. And so you can yeah. bring clarity to the entire situation by you basically make, um, think of it like a, like a host, uh, what is it? HOSA, health, health and safety, organizational, whatever, something. Um, I should really probably know that. 
but um, a, a, a manual. And basically, you can sol- you you condense and consolidate and make decisions on all the phrases mm. for each thing. And so you have mm-hmm. it's basically like a little dictionary that everyone in the organization can access. Mm. Um, and not only does it give the correct phrase that should be used, uh, in our case, it would be, you know, online courses. Um, it would also give a definition of that, right? The thing at courses.theteamw.com that customers can register for. And you do that for, for all your different taxonomy. Te- te- is, that, is that the right word? I don't know. I just kind of made that up. That's a good word. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so when, uh, and therefore you can have kind of clarity over the whole organization. But you can take it a step further and basically expand that not to just have words, but to also have processes. So for example, uh, there are, are a couple standardized emails that we have to send um, when when people sign up for the certificate but don't have the required haven't done the requirements yet. And this happens from time to time. Um, there are just standardized emails and, or, or messages that we need to communicate to our customers. Um, so having a common repository, where you could put, you know, emails, and I don't, you know, where you could maybe you change the words, but you know, maybe it's not just a copy paste kind of thing, but you can have that, and you can have it kind of uh, site wide, um, so the whole organization can have access to this kind of common messaging, and 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 so so it's very clear. Um, you could also lay out all your course offer, or, sorry, not your course offerings, your product offerings. Um, so it's mm-hmm. very easy and quick to access all the things you sell, the prices, the you know e- each of that. And you can and the cool part is you can all do that on a web-based platform. So you know you can do teamw.com/slash you know our company you know consult you know ideas or whatever um, that HTML and you can do it have you can have it in HTML if you really wanted you could uh, write it with PHP with a MySQL like backend. So for example your prices could. Um, automatically, you know, just could, could re- redo automatically. Uh, we get a lot of customers um, asking, for example, for the certificate, how long will it take to actually go, you know, go do it? Um, and, you know, that, that's kind of a, it takes a while to go and add up all the hours of training and then estimate the, cor- how much, how many, how long is it going to take to do the quizzes and how long is it going to take to do the exercises? And then we kind of come up with a number, right? You could do that all ahead of time. And, it's, and again, we don't need to as much because there's, we're a very small company, but especially in a larger organization, having that kind of shared message and shared platform is a great way to consolidate all the things using information architecture to streamline your your flows. So that's, there it is. Yeah, and that's, to me, that was a really new way of thinking about information architecture. So I I thought that was great. Now we also have to tell this fun or funny story of what happened when Gordon, gave his talk and how that's related to Abby. Remember? Do you know what I'm talking about? Maybe you know yes, what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. It, it's not it's not I was I was waiting to get to Al Gore, but since you've spo- spoiled the entire setup, I guess we're doing oh. it now. <laughs> um, yeah. Abby was very happy because in his talk, Al Gore apparently has fallen in love with the idea of information closing, architecture. He was the closing speaker for the conference. And he uh, used the phrase information architecture uh, 11 times. Um, apparently, Abby was, was counting with great enthusiasm. Uh, so she was so she was happy. And yes, uh, the, though, uh, and when we get to Al Gore, I'll talk about the meme that he had about the information architecture of the po- political system in the United States. All right. So that now they have to stay tuned until we get there. So that was so right? that was yeah that was the information architecture talk. Um, if you're unfamiliar with it, check it out. It's kind of an interesting idea. Um, to me, it makes a lot of sense because it's really just econometrics. Not maybe not econometrics, but it's it's economics. Um, it's just economic modeling, except instead of with real numbers, you're just using um, instead of using quantitative data, you're just using qualitative ideas. Um, so. Yeah, but to you, everything is econometrics. It's it's org it's like it's it's economic modeling. That's that's what it is, right? You come up with a model yeah. of how things work and how flows work, and how they interact with each other. I I don't know what to tell you. That's all right. All right, you get to pick the next person to talk about because I picked Abby. Mm, yeah. Um. Uh. To, uh. You should talk a little bit little bit about Simon. 
Simon Bennett. Simon Bennett. Uh, because Simon this is Bennett. this is a little more your in your wheelhouse. Um, and he was specifically talking about um, he 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 was t- talking about the. I'm gonna back up. In the usability field, there are a couple different methodologies. All right. Um, right. So for example, there's lean UX, which we have a course on. There's agile. Mm-hmm. Um, there's design thinking. There's user-centered design. Um, so I, I soon you will have to take over because again, this is definitely uh, your wheelhouse. But um, and he and he was making some points about uh, the different methodologies and uh, uh, really why they're dumb. Um, he, 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 he was not, he was not kind to, to them, but just to set it Simon up. Simon is very funny. Simon, uh, Simon has a very, it's, it's just the, think of the driest British, like humor. He's not British. I, he's I mean, Australian. That's Australian, but that's like, that's the, in the style, just very, very dry. Um, but, but, but also funny. Um, so, okay. D- take it away. Susan. Oh, okay. Well, Simon, yeah, Simon had um, one of the things that I think made what he was saying so effective was his manner because he was very quiet and, you know, he wasn't shouting and he had this dry humor, as you said, and um, very sparse slides. But he would then just make a comment that kind of, you know, just cut into the heart of some of the most <laughs> treasured ideas in in the field. Um, and so he pretty much uh, skewered, um, especially agile, uh, and in a very uh, uh, funny way, but really uh, putting the knife to it. <laughs> and um, yeah, I remember, it, you know, waterfall. Yeah, he talked about he talked about the waterfall a, method, is, which of oh. course none of us like. But he, he's just very funny. He talked a lot so, about accountability. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think he talked. I think he was really, you know, the gist of what what I got out of it, besides just being uh, amazed that. See, all right, here's the thing, you know, agile is so popular. Um, it's just like the popular thing um, at large organizations of, about how to do software development. And um, I mean, it's so popular that I'm, I usually feel afraid to come out strongly against it. And I have big problems with Agile. So now we, now this is out in the world. Simon has empowered me. Yeah. Because I heard Simon, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. Don't be um, afraid. Don't be afraid. I mean, because there are, I know there are people and maybe even listening that, first of all, think that agile and user experience and usability um, all fit together really nicely and wonderfully. I know they do. I know there are people that feel that way because I've talked to many, many of them. And some of them are dear friends of mine. Uh, and I totally don't believe that okay i have i am going to state on the record i have never seen a project work from a usability user experience standpoint that was an agile project there i boom. said it boom mic drop um and <laughs> so and i've been honestly afraid to say that for for as long as agile has been out there which is a long time it's come out of the agile closet so the here here's here's the, here's his big point about agile is that essentially um he he was looking at things from a culture power dynamic and from an accountability dynamic so you get the best results when people are making decisions um based solely on what's best for the project and the the reason he would argue, and by he, I mean what I am pretending he would argue, so again, apologies all around, is basically that what Agile is, is it's a wonderful um, accountability deference mechanism. It allows people to give ideas 
without having any accountability if they succeed or fail. And it allows for a consolidation of power in certain places where people who make powerful decisions um, get to reap all the rewards if they go well, but yet have no accountability if they go poorly. And so that is the dynamic that drives most companies. Um, and because that's the dynamic, that's why Agile is essentially so popular. It has nothing to do with the, actually the design process. It's all about the, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if the project is horrible, everyone gets pats on the back and everyone, you know, uh, has done their job. And not only have they done their job, they've done their job wonderfully. Um, and so it's all just happy rainbows and you tie it together and you ship it up. Is that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Simon's great. So if you have a chance to hear him speak, I, well, any of these people, I highly recommend them. So, yeah, his so uh, delivery method was definitely, definitely a surprise. He kind of sucked you in because it was just kind of like quiet. And then all of a sudden you realize he's like, you know, slashing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Do, do you have any? <laughs> more, is it, is any, it my, any my turn to pick the next that? person? No, 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 no. That's good. I don't. Anything more I say, I'm going to get myself into more trouble, and, and we're going to have people writing in saying that they're, oh, they're not going to oh, listen. Oh, completely anymore. out of the blue. This has nothing to do with Simon. If you're listening what? this podcast, however you listen yeah. to it, especially if it's iTunes, please go and give it a rating. Um, yeah. Give it a review and and hopefully five stars because uh, as it stands right now. Um, we haven't hit we the have threshold no of enough reviews for for a, our ranking to show up, so we need a couple have more. Have we had any reviews? Yes, but okay, we need more reviews. So more reviews. Yeah. And so, so if you like so the podcast, do us a favor. Just yeah. go. You don't have to even. You don't have to write anything out. Just at least just hit the five stars. Just at least so we can get yeah. going. Also, or another whatever star. I don't want to tell them to hit five stars if they don't think it deserves five stars. Five stars. They should also. Hit <laughs> also yeah um yeah uh i have uh google just announced their new they're getting into the podcast game as well so of course yes yeah. so there's now um it, it's tied in with google music but it's basically google podcast google music podcast or google podcast i'm not exactly sure uh the point is is that now you can listen to podcasts through google much the way that you can listen through to podcasts through itunes um and I signed the podcast up for that, so it should be up on that as well. Right. Oh, oh, hello it's... to all of our, all the people listening um, from Sweden. I think I think we yeah. got like a big Swedish contingent from our trip. So we uh, the last the podcast that I threw up that was on driverless cars. Uh, we got a lot yeah. of traffic, even more than our previous ones. So. I think I think that was uh, I had like that was just well, an old one that we had put together like forever ago. So okay, back to the we talk. We welcome all of our I, Sweden fans. I just wanted okay. to make sure so that I that I that yeah. I put that in there. Didn't um, forget to. Do oh it. oh yeah, and like give us you know give us money. Go to courses.theteambuilder.com and buy things. All right, are okay. you done yet? Yeah <laughs> sure. <laughs> I felt like doing a pitch. Right. I did. I did a pitch. Kyle, I guess so. All right, that was the commercial in the middle of the podcast. Yes. All right, it's my turn. I'm going to pick another person. Okay. Because I picked Abby. You picked Simon. I'm going to pick Patricia. Okay. Now, uh, neither of us uh, saw yeah, apologies to talk. Yeah, we were we were doing when it. she gave it. Yeah, we were doing interviews. So apologies to Patricia. But I don't I don't know if you know this, but later that night when we were all at the bar in the lobby of the hotel. Yes. And I told Patricia, who is an amazing person, uh, and I told her that By the way, this you know, is Patricia Moore. It. Yes, Patricia Moore. I'm sorry. I and I told her that. that we'd that we'd missed it because, uh, you know, we were in interviews and stuff. I do. Do you know that she whipped out her laptop and she gave me the presentation in a very condensed version in like about ten minutes. That's pretty awesome. But that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> she seems to actually care about the thing she's talking about. So, yeah. So um, I feel like most of these people, Patricia's... like if you if you got them going, like they would just give their like a ten minute presentation of what they did to like anyone. 
Like the cliff I'm notes. sure. Okay, do continue. I'm sure. Yeah. All right, so Patricia um, is, an, is a very interesting person. She's a gerontologist, uh, someone who works with the elderly. She's a designer. And she, her, her, one of her claims to fame is that she spent three years disguised as an 85-year-old woman <laughs> to see how <laughs> she did. She, I mean, an amazing disguise. I mean, you look at the picture and you don't, you could not recognize her as being her. So she spent three years disguised as, as an 85-year-old woman to see how society, you know, treats 85-year-olds, how well the world is designed for 85-year-olds. As a, as a um, quick and, note, uh, yeah. if, if you'd like to, if you'd really, it's really worth going to uh, just Googling Patricia Moore and checking out some of the pictures of her as, a, as, like, a, as like an old teetering uh, woman it's it's really excellent yeah and then you know look at her picture of what she really looks like and you'll see that you know she doesn't look the same so she she has you know very interesting uh conversation then on you know uh what what it means to um to be an old person what it means to design for the elderly the things that uh the things that we do well and the things that we don't do well. And uh, it's it's a fascinating story. I, I just thought it, it was really, really good. And, you know, she can talk about it from such a strong place because of, of her experience, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and um, she's just a, uh, a fascinating person to talk to in general. So I definitely think you should check out um, Patricia and you should probably check out her book she wrote about this. Uh, yeah. Now, I, th- I, th- I think it's called Disguised. I think that's what okay. it's called. I think, yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. Um, so, uh, I also want to talk briefly, and you didn't get to do this, but there's a new program launching, and this is going to be very UX. This is a heavy. This is a UX heavy podcast. Um, there's a new program uh, launching in Adobe CC called Experience Design CC, and for those of you who well, don't, what does you, you what does CC mean? You bet. Oh, Adobe Creative Cloud. It's it's the Adobe suite for creative. All the Adobe products yeah. that Photoshop and Premiere and Audition that kind of stuff as a cloud service which yeah. we use and and actually I really yeah. enjoy I think it's I think it's really quite great um, expensive but great so they have a new product called Adobe Experience Design CC which they made specifically for UX professionals it's going to be they're trying to they're trying to have it become um, basically the Photoshop of UX design, right? So if you're doing UX design much in the way that you were doing photo processing, that's going to be the standard. Um, and it's because there's nothing else like it. So it, I, it, they, they had a special session. Um, if, if you haven't uh, checked, uh, seen it, you really should try it out, um, especially if you do UX design. It, it's really kind of neat. So if you're, so for example, I remember, I'm sure, I mean, how many wireframes have you done in your life? More, more than I care to yeah. think about. So in theory, right, it'll, it'll allow you to whip up wireframes. You can make wireframe templates and save them very simply. Um, it'll allow you to do actual live um, kind of user testing as well because, you know, in the wireframes, you can have like a fake photo roll. So I, I remember, uh, so basically, you know, wireframes, you, it's like you made the application, but it's not the application. But it also doesn't really act like the application. So you'll be able to essentially, without having to write any code, whip something together that in all, you know, that, that, that to a user appears to be a working, you know, app, even though it's, it's not, it's not actually running, um, you know, on a, on like objective. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to checking this out. So they, they were uh, at, they were in the, they demoed it. I guess what you would call the exhibit hall of the conference, right? Yeah. So, um, so that was there. Uh, It's worth checking out. 
uh, I think, um, is there anyone else you really wanted to talk to? I'm going to just touch on them so we don't leave them out. Um, but yeah, yeah. So let's, besides, let's uh, talk obviously about, we're going to uh, talk about Al Gore, but, um, was there anyone else you wanted to really dive in? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll mention a few, th- a few people. Um, I, I'm going to not pronounce this right, but, uh, Kjell Pearson, it, he's Swedish and I'm really bad at pronouncing Swedish names. Um, and he is the, the CEO of the company that sponsored the conference, which is in use, yes. which is a, a UX company. And he gave uh, an interesting presentation because it didn't have anything to do with Sweden. Uh, and, and it had to do with the design of cities because the company in use has, is working with actually the city of Denver about redesigning the city. Yeah, they got some. Um, Denver so has some big contract with Panasonic to redo a bunch of stuff. Yeah, it's a little with complicated. Big data and all but of that. Essentially, yeah, and the in use is redesigning in, city in government use. of Denver. Yeah, so that was kind of a. That I was, that was different. I th- I. My personal opinion, and uh, yeah. I think in use is great, but. So when we were in Sweden, basically what exists in Sweden, as you all know, is it's kind of a socialist country. Uh, just some quick facts to help you understand. In the United States, the tax burden of the average citizen is about 28, 26%, which means for every 100 you make, 26 goes to a government entity of some sort, local taxes, state taxes, sales tax, all that kind of stuff. In, in Sweden, especially Stockholm, depending on how much money you make, again, um, the, the tax burden is about for, for every hundred you make, uh, about forty six to fifty two um, goes to taxes. So the tax burden is almost twice as high. Um, and you know, again, that means you get free college. You don't have to pay for nursing care. You don't have to pay for health insurance. You don't have to blah blah blah. So you know, so it all kind of evens out. But the side effect is that government agencies are well funded. And so the people who work in government agencies are competent people who really want to do a good job and uh, they kind of work like a great business. So it's run very efficiently. If you ask people on the street, what do they think about government? They're like, oh, yeah, they do a great job. And they don't see the need for privatization because um, most of the time the projects uh, that the government does are innovative and executed well and come in under budget um, and everything kind of works really nicely. Um, Just like in the U.S. Right. And so in the United States, we have a long history. I mean, no offense to people who work in government, but they'll probably agree with me. We have a long history of kind of um, of governmental negligence. Uh, government, no one has any faith in governmental organizations from local to, to the federal level to do a good job. Everything is over budget. Things often don't work very well. There's endless red tape. Um and so consequently, in my opinion, uh, there's a big push for limited government because they don't see government as working. Now, I think that's a factor that American government isn't doesn't work because there's not the hundred year history of of well-funded civic um, organizations mm. um, that they have in Sweden and a, you know, the, you know, Bill Gates doesn't form Microsoft in Sweden. He revolutionizes the the Swedish government IT platform to have electronic, you know, voting for all their citizens. And so they come up with all kinds of really cool, interesting, um, forward-thinking ideas. And so when we think of the government, I think in the United States, you know, a good job to us is like just keep the minimum, fill the potholes. Like that's all. That's all. We're, we don't ask for much. But in you don't even do that in yeah. Chicago. <laughs> it definitely does not happen in Chicago, which is a disaster and it's bankrupt. Whereas, so um, in a lot of you know those countries, it's not just the status quo. Government uh, entities go above and beyond and have all these innovative projects to make life better. They're actively trying to make life better for the citizens. And I'll give you a perfect example. So in Estonia, for the last thirteen years, they've had uh, an electronic. Um, verification system. So you get a chip, it's like a USB thing, and you put it in a laptop, and it creates a very securely encrypted um, fingerprint that says, yes, it's kind of like a passport, but it's for you. It's like, yes, this is you, you're a citizen, you're logged in securely. So for voting, 
they don't have to wait five hours in the rain to go to a, a, a polling place. Instead, they sit on their couch, they put in their chip, and they can vote from home just as securely as electronic voting happens in the United States. So, you know, we could you, do a whole... Uh... You can get a, your passport from your couch. You can do... You don't have to... You can... Anyways. <sighs> we, could, we could do a whole uh, topic. Yeah, you get excited about this. So, we could do a whole episode <laughs> on uh, technology in government. Ugh. You know? yeah, this would be the most depressing thing ever. Um, so the <laughs> point is... <laughs> the point is, is that is that so while there's a history there of of governmental organizations being competent and having competent staff, they don't have that yeah. in the U.S. So it, so in use, and this is this is why I'm tying it all together. They went to Denver. They came up with this great plan to restructure the government so that it's going to run in this wonderful way. And they remove silos and yeah. you know do the user testing thing that that any kind of user uh, testing you know, group would go in and, and, and make an organization better. The problem is, is that I personally think that they're going to run into extreme incompetence and in a couple of years it'll all degrade to the normal disaster that uh, any other oh my organization goodness. is did, in. Did you, did, you tell, did you tell them that? Of course not. Why would I, why would tell, I tell them okay. that? So, yeah, but, I, so I, think they, yeah. I think they're great. They do a great job and I think that they have the best they of intentions. They listen to this podcast. And, well, you know, I'm not there. I don't want to pretend I know more than, than they, you know, they've been doing months of research well, and talking we'll and blah, blah, blah. to see. But I, yeah, when I, it comes to it making reform in the United States, in yeah. local government, I think you'll see it'll, it'll work different. for a little bit and then people will slowly, it, the structures will deteriorate um, and then hmm. it'll just be patchwork putting out fires which is the current state of affairs for most governmental oh, no. um, institutions we're States. gonna have to see if you're <laughs> right <laughs> okay so that yeah so he's quite the rant thank you thank you so he had uh so the point is is that he had a well it ties in really well with with al um but he had uh so he had a very nice presentation about all you know it's gonna be great it's gonna be wonderful and it was very positive and um the sustainability was definitely a theme of the conference and so this would you know help making things you know green and all right efficient. Be before you you transition to talking no, about Al, yeah no, i know i want to mention everyone else let's mention everyone else so, so let's uh yeah just quickly who do you it's your turn no no i i i don't um we can just blow, all right then i'll through. just go well no I, so go so golden krishna um he uh mm -hmm. i believe he works for google and he he did a he mm -hmm. had a talk again this was in the morning so um i think i saw a couple minutes of it but we were that was right after um susan gave her talk so we were um not not really around uh but but essentially uh he, he he had a if you if you're the type of person who thinks that potentially um staring at, a, at your phone all day and being kind of quote on call unquote um all the time is a bad thing go buy his book um that's you know so his it was all about how the digital interface is out of control so uh we talked about avi we talked about patricia uh, Jeff Fien gave a great talk um, about how to. It wasn't. It was about how to make a make a bit from a sports analogy. It's a culture of winning um, in in the in sports land. When you look at the best organizations like the Patriots or the Spurs, uh, or apparently now the Golden State Warriors. Right. What what is it that differentiates them? You know, they have the same player, you know, player talent level. What differentiates differentiates them from, you know, a parentally bad organization that loses your. So he year. talked about. Yeah, he talked about the organizational culture and the team culture. Yes. And so in sports, that's the it it's a culture okay. of winning. You have to establish that. And, I, and he was doing it, of course, when when doing kind of U.S. teams or just any kind of teams. Yeah, and about how it's important to, you know, people have to f be totally comfortable to speak up mm -hmm. and tell the truth. And um, so, yeah, he gave an excellent talk about that. And then we have one more before yeah. we uh, Margaret, talk about uh, the closing. Margaret Gold-Stewart, she uh, works yeah. for Facebook. She basically um is in charge of a lot of the user design she's done a lot of really 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 big user design projects for pretty major companies um so she was just talking about uh principles that they use to uh to focus a little more on the business the the, the differentiation between making 
products for internal business or B2B, as they say. Versus consumer. Versus B2C, business to consumer products. Yeah. Um, And how how the design and and how you want to set things up is different because the priorities are different. So um, now... You can uh, so so that's that was the talk and it was great and there was the after work mingle. Let's talk about Al Gore. Uh, he was there. Um, he closed out the conference. Closed out the conference. Uh, he his talk started. So the other thing, it was a little tough because each person only had half an hour and so it wasn't a lot of time. But he but he did a, get a full hour. The first um, twenty minutes, he kind of wandered around. Uh, okay, we have to say about yeah about his notes yes because i I was fascinated with the notes tell the story you don't have to well you know like everybody's up there with slides and what and so on but very i mean the this the quality of the speakers was excellent Uh, and people you know use slides really effectively but al gore gets on stage without any slides but he has this stack of paper that is like two or three inches tall and because of the the setup at the conference, you know, there was, you could see the person talking, but then they had video cameras on, and then you could see uh, an up-close video if you were looking at the screens. So you could see he, uh, the the lectern and, and the papers he had on the lectern while he was talking. And he had the stack of papers, and sometimes it was a full sheet of paper, but... S- and he would he would glance at the paper and then he would talk for a while and then he'd turn that that piece of paper over and then he'd glance at the next piece of paper and talk for a while and turn that over. But some of these weren't full pieces of paper. They looked like he had just scribbled something down on a on a sheet of paper and then torn Bar off napkin. just a bit. Yeah, it was like it fascinated me. I'd and he would glance at that and then he'd talk and then he'd take this little scrap of torn paper and put, turn it over and put it on the other stack. And I, you know, I've never given a talk like that. I may have to try that method. Uh, but he was, I mean, he, so he meandered around a lot, but he is very, he very charismatic. Um, there's a reason he was vice president and almost president. Um I don't know if you've ever, for those of you who have actually met a politician, especially a successful one, um, they just have this amazing ability to just win over a room, win over a person. They're so charismatic. Uh, they don't even have to be nice. It's just, it's it, it's really hard to put your finger on. Um, so he started slowly, meandered around, and by the by the end of the talk, uh, he, the, the standing ovation and people, you know, he got he got really going. Um, by the, the end of the talk, he was kind of shouting. Yeah, he was he was really going. Uh, and so you want to you want to talk about what he talked about? Yes, I do. So he talked a little bit about climate change. This was not the climate change talk that I probably many of you out there are familiar with. That he's famous for. Yeah. yeah. Um. He he's clearly working on some other. Clearly, chewing over some ideas. Um. And so you know he kind of talked a little bit about you know how things are getting faster and cheaper and. Uh, so, you know, climate change is kind of going good, but, uh, you know, we're, so we're, I think he said we're winning, but we're not winning fast enough was the, was the term he used. So I just want to talk and you can, you can say some things if they intrigued you. The big, the big meme or idea that he had to me was he talked about, again, it was information architecture. But specifically, the information architecture about <laughs> specifically politics of the United States um, and how in the when when things were going really well, or sorry, when things were going really well, in the early days of the United States, um, there was a really good system to have to have a merit based idea politic. And that was the, the strength of the American system and why it was so good for hundreds and hundreds of years. And the idea was you had kind of the town square theory um, where people or town hall, right? People could write books. They could. It was a two way conversation. So if you had something you wanted to say, you would write it down on a, you know, you'd, you'd make a, you know, a federalist paper and you'd publish it and then people would read it and be like, hmm, and then they'd go to the town square and they'd say something, right? And you could kind of have this public open discourse. And through this discourse, 
the best ideas would become infectious because that's what ideas are. Memes are infectious. And they and, and then they would kind of build a mass and eventually that would translate into the American political system. And the best ideas would, would turn into the movement of the country. Uh, so then um, he said that in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s uh, and 90s, um, what happened what, that was a change in the information architecture where instead of having this two-way communication, it became one way because people were, uh, were contributing politically over television. So the, they, would, they would hear something on television and they would say they, they would have their great idea, they'd have their opinion, and it would just go into their living room. But it, but it wouldn't go back to the, the people in charge of the content. And so that caused essentially a, the, a broken information architecture where there was not a merit-based exchange of ideas anymore. And uh, it caused all the problems that we have in the current United States and the basically, you know, why we don't win anymore, which he didn't really say that. Um, but that was, I was a, that was a funny thing. Uh, so, um, but, but now with the internet, the information architecture has changed yet again, back to a two way communication where information can come in and people rate those ideas on a merit level, and then they can go out too and respond to those merit based ideas. And so in theory, you're going to have a return to a more healthy American discourse. But um, that, so that was, that was the idea. Uh, he called American politicians whores for money. <laughs> so he, uh, and he wanted to yeah, it was a, it was destroy really the current talk. election system, but he said he didn't want to yeah. make it, give a quotable comment. So he, he was fired up. He was, he was angry. Um, about what's going on uh very yeah it, it was yeah, passionate it was very interesting was that was that a good summer it was interesting too yeah it was interesting too to be listening to it as an american in a room mm, full of full of largely <laughs> swedish people and, you know non-americans <laughs> that was kind of interesting you know yeah because they, they uh, probably did yeah. weren't really sure what was what he was saying talking yeah. about um no i don't know they they seem they seem pretty well so for example i'll give you the perfect up. example is that no, he was American talking about politics. the proliferation of baby boomers versus millennials so for those of you who don't know yeah. um the world war ii happened and all the americans went over to europe to and and, and asia uh to, to fight in world war ii and they came back and when they came back they had a lot of kids and it created this little population bubble and they have their certain traits and characteristics because of the the manner of when the place of where the country was after world war ii so they're called the the baby boomers um and so he was talking about that but in sweden they were a neutral country so yeah. in world war ii um so they actually didn't partake and so they didn't have they don't ha they didn't have a baby boom because no the swedish people didn't go to war um so that yeah right so like that kind of that's a very well, american and they also, right idea. that's an american thing yeah i thought of that when he was talking about yeah. the and and the other thing he was talking about millennials well i mean obviously they have people in the age range from 20 to 34 but they don't call them millennials and they don't you know in the u.s the millennials are even bigger demographic than the baby boomers were and that's because the baby boomers had kids and there were a lot of baby boomers so there's a, <laughs> a lot, lot of baby of, boomer kids yeah exactly. and in europe they don't they don't have that population uh um graph yes. you know they have you know the average age is older and they don't have a uh, they don't have that that Over that big 40. bump in in population of millennials as we do here so yeah i was a little um that that struck me when he was talking well, whatever about, he's al know, gore maybe. he can do what he wants he flew in he gave a talk he flew out you know he's he's got he's got a nobel peace prize well it's whatever he could he could do what he wants hey it, it didn't matter people gave him a standing ovation they they seemed they very excited they did so that was that's all the speakers oh, at the God. conference it was it was a it was a great um, conference. I really recommend uh, any of you who are listening from Sweden who weren't at the conference, which there's probably not a lot of people, but 
but uh, you know you might want to consider going to the 2017 conference dates are not set yet by the way um, to all the in use people yeah. you better be so happy yeah. we we are giving you so much great press you and, think so yeah we're we're hooking them up with speakers we're doing all <laughs> we're doing great we got to be we got to be <laughs> their favorite yeah, but we also have to thank them because they really treated us like rock stars. They were I I've never spoken at a conference paid where paid for us to go to Sweden. So where, yes. No, but not only that, but you yeah. you you had we had our own personal handler for the the day. You know, like every speaker was assigned a person from in use to take care of them. I that uh, that doesn't happen. And and they would like, you know, meet us at the hotel and have taxis ready to take us to the venue. It, it, we, we were we were treated quite well. Yes. They they are a very organized group, and and uh, I appreciated that very much from a from a speaker point of view. So um, although there were some brown M and M's in my <laughs> M bowl, no, just kidding. There was no M and M bowl. I don't have a writer in my oh, contract. Oh, couple, right couple more small ancillary Al Gore points. He is a vegan, and uh, we both got to shake his hand, so that's fun. We did, yeah. I had never shaken Al Gore's hand. So that right was on. our conference. We enjoyed Stockholm a lot. Um, I enjoyed it a whole bunch. I, I thought it was uh, a really interesting uh, city, and um, I would definitely go back and visit Sweden again. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I had a, I had a lot of fun there. I think I ate my body weight in salmon, um, and uh, food was really, really good. There was some, there's some fish really soup good. that I had that was uh, yeah. like the best soup I've ever had. So, yeah, I'm gonna learn how to make the fish soup. It was in yeah. like the, it was like the, the, in the basement of like a market in a mall, but it was, it yeah. was so good. Um, yeah. So I don't know exactly what this podcast episode is or was. I was just expecting a short little thing, but an hour has gone by. And it wasn't. I know. that You get us talking and it just goes. I think I ranted so for about to... 45 minutes. <laughs> thank you to Inuse. Thank you from Business to Buttons. Um, if you are listening from anywhere and like would like to connect with us, just let us know. Again, our email address is info at the uh, please subscribe. Our number of of listeners is just going up, 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 up. I love it. Yeah. So I love it. Um, we're not super Keep popular. Keep it going. But Give a rating. It, really more popular than I think. Than I, for especially for this, I think this is what episode maybe six. Six. I think this is number six. six. Number six. So um, yeah, yeah. It, that's that's really amazing. Uh, we got some interesting things upcoming and we'll probably disclose those at a later date, but we have some fun, uh, we're, we're working on some stuff. Oh, any, anything else about the, that you'd like to quickly, uh, quickly talk about? No, I think that's good. I think it's a wrap. Oh, and if anyone knows why, uh, it's easier to fly, um, east to west than it is west to east. In terms of jet lag, yeah. Let us know. We we have Wait a couple. Minute, you think it's e it's easier to go which way? East yeah, to west to go than west, west to east. Then yeah. So yeah, if you have any ideas, let us know. We were trying to figure that out on the plane, but I'm sure there's science research behind that. Didn't quite work. Um. Oh, uh, upcoming things. You should talk about some upcoming things you're doing. I should. But I what? guess I guess that's not for a while. We got some uh, Susan will be doing some talks um around in some places so uh i yeah if, so. I, I, actually if you if you if you want if you go to the teamw.com on the in the speaking section we list all of um, yeah. our upcoming talks and events so you can check yeah, it out there come come out and hear us okay well um so thanks everyone for listening uh next week uh oh oh we have um we have some some cool speakers that we're lining up or speakers. Oh, we do. Podcast yeah, guests, at the end apologies. of yeah, should I mention one of them? Sure. So, uh, in in May we'll be releasing a podcast uh, in which we have Nir Wall as a guest. So that's going to be great fun. Yeah. 
So we're going to keep lining up those guests. And um, yeah, I think that I think that's it for now. Uh, hopefully our next podcast will be back back to the, the normal the normal grind. But we definitely wanted to just get one out about uh, about Stockholm while we uh, while we had the chance and while things were fresh. So uh, th- Susan, thanks so much. You're welcome. And uh, I will talk to all of you later. <laughs>